Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What's up and welcome back to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Friday. September 16th, 2022. Of course, I'm Tim Geddes, and I'm joined by the new face of video games, Blessing Adeoye Jr. What's up, Tim? Nothing much, Bless. Excited it's a Friday. I have a, a good Friday energy going, ready to get into this weekend, get some things rolling, nice. get some things moving. Do exactly. you have any plans? Plans for the weekend? No. I did have plans tomorrow that got canceled because uh, one of our friends got sick. But I did have plans uh, to go out with a group of friends. Actually, not go out with a group of friends. Actually, stay in with a group of friends and watch all the Twilight movies. We're going to have a Twilight night <laughs> where we, we go through each. There are a lot of plans involved with it. Like, there mm-hmm. was going to be a Team Jacob versus Team Edward board where with, with each decision they make in the movies, you're moving your name, like, toward the Edward side or toward the Jacob side. And I was really excited for that. There's going to be like a host of different snacks, including a blood bag that was filled with Kool-Aid. Uh, cool. That cool. was very exciting. And yeah, like I'm sad. We've delayed it now. We're doing that in a few weeks because one of our, one of our friends got sick. But that was my plan. Now I'm probably just going to sit back, play some video games, play some Tekken, maybe. Maybe, maybe play night. God of War. Maybe continue your uh, uh, I'm actually very close to the end of God of War. Oh, um, yeah. I'm wanting to do, yeah, I'm, I'm planning to maybe do a stream to end it out. Because I, I probably have, what, three to four hours left. I hit the part where, like, I don't, I don't know what I was It's been four years, bless. I know, but I'm sure people now that Ragnarok's about to come out are, are probably planning to play for the first time. Uh. I've... I'm close to the end. I'm close to the end is all I'll say. So I probably have like one stream away from finishing it. And I and I, th- I kind of want to stream the ending of it because I think okay. that'd do be an it. exciting thing. I, I hope you do. And I hope that encourages uh, Greg and Janet to pick up the pace a little bit. Oh, yeah. Because I've Here's seen Janet's thing. updates and I'm like, oh, I don't know. The pace you're going, I don't know if you're going to beat this by Wednesday. Greg, I don't know. Hopeless at this point. Greg, I think could because he has like he has time scheduled out on the calendar and I trust his his planning skills sometimes when it comes to that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think Greg is going to beat it. Janet, I'm worried about, but also Janet is a soldier. Like Janet, when she wants the game, she's a gamer ass gamer, and so I I think they'll get there. But I think for me, I very much I very much budget, budgeted my time to where I was like, all right, I got to start this three to four weeks early. I got to play, let's see, an hour a day or two hours a day to definitely finish this by the time I get there. And let me tell you. I was worried at first because my first playthrough of God of War probably took me anywhere from 25 to 30 hours. This playthrough, I'm going to have this game beat in maybe 14 hours. Turns out mainlining God of War is a very quick playthrough, and I did not realize that because I was doing all the side stuff when I first played. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to actually get to the end and then maybe pick up my PS5 or my PS4 save and then do the side shit there. Damn, damn. Bless is in, everyone. You're going to hear all it? about it. Maybe, maybe. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it, Barrett. Will he? You'll have to find out next week on PS I Love You XOXO, where they re-review God of War 2018. So stay tuned for that. Really exciting stuff all around. But we're not talking about that today. Today, we're talking about Street Fighter VI, Tekken 8, uh, Elden Ring already winning awards, and more. Because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily, each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here 
on youtube.com slash kind of funny games we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about if you're watching live you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kind of funny.com slash you're wrong if you don't want to watch live you can watch later on the aforementioned youtube.com slash kind of funny games or roosterteeth.com if you want to get it as a podcast just search your favorite podcast service for kind of funny games daily we'll be right there for you uh if you don't have bucks to toss our way any of that stuff it's totally cool when you're out there buying stuff on the epic game store use our epic creator code kind of funny and it helps us out without costing you a penny more but if you do have a buck to toss our way you want to go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where you can get this show ad free you get to write in be part of the show and you get the exclusive post show that we do for all the episodes little housekeeping for you our clerks three in review is up right now does greg miller cry during it he does i'm gonna spoil that for you when and how and why i'm not spoiling that for you you're gonna have to go check it out uh, <laughs> crying, crying during a clerks three review is something and i i, I love greg, greg miller so much because i think he's the only person that could pull it off i mean I think multiple people cried during Clerks 3. So is, Clerk, right. is that wait, is Clerks 3 that kind of movie? Clerks 3 is that kind of movie. All right. But All right. You're going to have to watch the movie. Go support <laughs> that type of movie in theaters now. And also then go listen to our in review, which will probably be our lowest viewed in review of all time. Hey, but prove me wrong, motherfuckers. That's the challenge out there. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Fargo Brady. Uh, just him. They, they, they get all the glory, all the fun. Today, we're brought to you by Shopify and MeUndies, but we'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have six stories today. A baker's dozen. Story number one. This comes straight from Street Fighter's Twitter. Street Fighter Six has revealed its full starting roster. Behold, the opening movie for World Tour, featuring art of the 18 characters on the launch roster for Street Fighter VI. Uh, Barrett's playing the video right now, if you're watching along with us. It's a super fun little uh, opening video here, Bless. I liked the style of it. I like It's the right level of, like, corny and cringy and, like, just, it's that perfect Street Fighter style. You know what I mean? I love yeah. when they commit to, like, a, a aesthetic. I mean, I think that's what people love about Street Fighter III Third Strike. Is that that that's a game that gets talked about a lot um and that's because that is the most stylish street fighter game right like the animation looks good the character select screen looks great the music that they're playing is, is dope right it's dope ass rap music playing over the character select and everything about that game is stylish and as we've gotten into street fighter 4 and even more street fighter 5 street fighter 5 just feels so uninspired compared to uh the street fighter games of past and street fighter 6 it looks like it's actually trying and trying real hard in ways that I really like. And Tim, I, I, I think you're probably more of a street fighter person than I, than I am. Cause like I, historically I've played street fighter games, but I've not fallen in love with street fighter games just because historically I've been very bad at street fighter. Um, but with the announcement of five, right. I went back, I picked up third strike and I've also been playing, uh, or with the announcement of six, I've also been playing some five as well. Um, and I've been into it. I've been loving Luke as uh, one of the latest DLC characters to, to get dropped for the game. And I look through the starting roster and like, again, me not being the biggest Street Fighter person, I'm not popping off left and right for all the different names, but I have been very impressed with their marketing rollout. Like this has been one of the one of the dopest, I'd say, video game marketing rollouts I've seen in a long time in terms of the cadence of it, in terms of the kind of announcements for it. It takes me back to when Smash Ultimate was first announced and it was here's the direct here's the reveal we're starting off with the with the um the Splatoon characters right and it's, do, it's doing the thing it's like oh shit this is actually Smash right and that being the reveal for Ultimate but then shortly after at E3 you get the 
everybody is here trailer, right? And it's that big build of hype. And then throughout the years, you get the random Smash character reveals during, right? Like, that is such a dope-ass uh, marking rollout for that game. And only a game like Smash can do that. Street Fighter Six, just in terms of, hey, here's this character, here's Ryu, here's Luke, here's these brand new characters, and it being this nice cadence of these these cool reveals but then getting us to this place where it is now here's the full roster and it looks like a really solid solid roster let alone here are the different features here's the real tour here's the creator character here's all this this game was announced what four months ago and i feel like we've gotten so much at such a good pace and i've been able to consume all of it in a way that usually for a game like this it'd be really hard to deliver all that information i think they've done done such a good job with it yeah, totally. We talked a little bit yesterday about the the story mode stuff in this game and how it kind of seems like it's uh, hearkening back to an older era of when video games were just fun. And I appreciate that so much. And I, I'm with you that I think this game's rollout plan so far, I don't know that I, I'm as high on it as, as you seem to be, but I do think that they're really doing a great job of keeping the information coming at a, a clip that feels digestible, where we feel like we are learning about all the different modes of this game and it's not overwhelming, but there's so much in it. And um, I think that this, is them proving that they've learned from the launch of Street Fighter V and the way that they discussed that game going into it. Um, whereas here, it's like, cool, here's this launch lineup of Ross, uh, roster of the, the fighters and looking at it, Luke, Jamie, Manon, Kimberly, Marissa, Lily, JP, Jury, DJ, Cami, Ryu, E-Honda, Blanca, Guile, Ken, Chun-Li, Zangief, and Dalsim. It's like a good mix of what everybody expects. You know, of yeah. course, the the OG eight, right? Like people want to see them um, all, <laughs> all the time. But we've also get them so much. It's kind of like Generation One of Pokemon, where it's like, okay, like we get we get it, Pikachu. Like like take take a step back for a sec. Um, so getting some of the newer characters, and not even just newer. Like at this point, like characters like Jury have been around forever. So uh, it's cool that this feels a little representative of speaking to all of the major fan bases of Street Fighter. Uh, yeah for launch which is great and then of course build off it from that i imagine that when all said and done pretty much every street fighter character is going to be in street fighter 6 yeah you're gonna have so many by the time you get to into the later years of street fighter 6 and what that um like the content rollout looks like for it but yeah Do you ever watch street fighter the later years plus which one was that i was like in the og days of internet video there was a uh, one of college humor's first short series like when they first oh, were like we're okay. gonna actually make comedies you should check it out i think total it's nine episodes and i think total content is like 30 minutes or less like they're all really short but the concept was it was like 20 years later 30 years later at that point like after street fighter what are those characters doing and it's like zangief's like a janitor at a arcade and like just it's oh, really it was it was great it was great that's awesome but, but yeah looking at looking at the the roster i like like you mentioned it is this mix of like old and new and the characters from different generations of street fighter and i think it's a really good representation of yeah they're the characters that people i think view as the foundational characters these characters have to be in the street have to be in a street fighter right it is ryu it is ken right it is e honda uh e honda yeah it is blanca guile chun li like these characters have to be there um but then yeah getting in new blood i think introducing luke in the at the end of the street fighter 5 rollout letting people get a taste of that and then that then leading into oh yeah you're also getting new characters like jamie and kimberly and these and these, and these other ones um I, I, I think it's an exciting way to do it. I look at this roster, and again, as me being not super hardcore, but a Street Fighter liker, right? Like, this looks this, this is a good roster. You know, I think this is a good starting roster, and I and there's so much to build on top of here uh, when it comes to new characters. And I think there's a lot of room for um, fan favorites to come, but also, yeah, get in more more new characters as the seasons go. 
Yeah, really excited for it. Um, I hope that they stick the landing on it. And so far, so good. Seems like they they're speaking to the right people and saying the right things. So, were you a Street Fighter the movie person? Like, wait, no. I mean, any any way you shake that note? Well, oh, animated. Yes, the animated movie. Yeah, 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 for sure. I I didn't know if you were asking me. This is how my brain works, Wes. (laughs) You said, were you a Street Fighter the movie guy? And I don't know why. I don't know why. My first gut instinct was if you were asking me if I was a fan of the game Street Fighter the movie. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, I was talking about the actual game based on the Street Fighter movie. It's the whole thing. It's a whole thing. Anyways, story number two, keeping it in the fighting game family. We got some good ass Tekken headlines coming in. We have a uh, headline A, lowercase a, blessing put this as. Tekken 8 doesn't reuse any Tekken 7 assets. This comes from Robert Ramsey at Push Square. An interesting detail from a new IGN interview with Tekken boss Katsuhiro Harada says Tekken 8 apparently doesn't use any assets from Tekken 7. This means that character models and environmental details, all of the visual stuff, has been built from the ground up using Unreal Engine 5, which makes a lot of sense because this looks awesome. Like I, I'm editorializing a little bit here, but the trailer we're watching right now, the, the original debut trailer for Tekken 8 when we see them fighting and it looks like gameplay just without the HUD and the waves are crashing against the the rocks it's like this is epic and sick as hell I was talking about this on a different episode but like the fact that when we first saw this trailer I was like oh certainly this is a CGI spoof of what gameplay looks like and bear if you go back to the original or to the beginning where it has the like disclaimer at the bottom of this is all captured PS5 in engine which again doesn't necessarily mean gameplay but I think is representative of, hey, the game is going to look this dope when you're playing the game, right? The footage we're seeing is footage taken from the story mode. Uh, but yeah, it Tekken says real time. Uh, taken from the story mode. Real-time rendered footage captured. Uh, for, I can't read the rest because we're covering it. But like, it, it, you, get what, you get what it is, right? Like, this is in-engine footage, and it is looking this hot. Amazing, like, and and I I don't know if you finished the news story or not, but like... No, I didn't. Do you, you can finish it real quick. Right, I'll cool, get into cool. my so, soapbox. This confirmation doesn't come as a huge surprise, seeing as Tekken 7 is around seven years old. Um, its full arcade release happened in 2015. But it's nice to know that Bandai Namco is going the extra mile for its popular fighting game series. Previous Tekken titles have been known to pull assets from their predecessors, but again, that won't be the case with this new installment. Tekken 8's a bit of a stunner going by its reveal trailer, which was made up of in-game footage taken directly from the title running on PS5. The fact that Tekken 7 came out on, I believe, console in the West in 2017, but then came out, it came out years earlier in arcade, and it was based, was built off of, like, PS3 and Xbox 360, like, architecture in mind. Like, I, I was playing Tekken 7 last night on stream, and I was, I was shocked by how dated that game looks, and I don't think I ever realized how dated it looked until I saw this trailer. Because, again, originally looking at this trailer, I'm like, oh, yeah, this looks fantastic. This looks like next-gen Tekken. But then you go back to Tekken 7, it's like, wow. it's That, that game still looks good. You know, it's not an ugly-looking game by any means. But, man, does that game look dated now that I'm actually jumping into it and seeing, like, their hair textures and seeing the character models and seeing things that just don't look, uh, you know, up to par with what we expect from games in 2022, especially games from the new gen working off of something like Unreal Engine 5. Um, there is so much room for growth. And hearing that, hey, they're not going back and reusing assets from previous seconds. This is going to be rebuilt from the ground up or just built from the ground up. That's super exciting because this game is going to look hot. I, I, I don't know if you, you probably remember, Tim, because you're, you're a gamer. You're a classic gamer. Like Tekken was like a techie showcase, showcase kind of game yeah. back in the day. I mean, that's the thing is like, yeah, thinking back to. So I, I am a fighting game 
fan, but like I am not good at all at any of them, and I stand by that. But I definitely always leaned more towards Street Fighter, um, and that's been like my franchise. That again, Smash would be my franchise that I'm actually like I'm decent at that. Street Fighter, though, out of the classic ones, is definitely number one for me. Tekken would be the second place, mainly because of Tekken Three and Tag Tournament, and then um, Mortal Kombat would be after that, just in terms of share. I've played a lot of them, but I like never really 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 loved them besides the story modes of the recent ones um but with tekken they were always there with virtual fighter of pushing tech forward in a time when street fighter while we look back now and we're like yo street fighter 3 was the sickness at the time a lot of people were kind of like it was it's divided people because it was like oh man this looks amazing it looks like a just evolution of what we've had before the pixel art it's beautiful but then there were the people that are like it's 3d or nothing baby and Um, both Tekken and Virtual Fighter like push the boundaries in different ways. Uh, so it's cool to see Tekken now using Unreal Engine Five. Like that's awesome. One one thousand percent. Yeah, I can't wait. I like I can't wait to play. This is probably going to be the first Tekken game that I give a shot, especially oh, if that's story yeah. mode. Uh, but my first one I really give a shot since Tekken Four, which just the stuff that about it, I was an Eddie Gordo guy. Of they didn't have Eddie. You had to be. I had to be. I had to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was Spam circle. That's all. Let me I tell you. Let me tell you about a, a character named Lucky Chloe, who, mm-hmm. similar to Eddie Gordo, she Eddie Gordo is of course Capra. Does a lot of flips and shit. Luck, Lucky Chloe, break dancer. And so when I saw her in Tekken Seven, I was like, I got to use this character. And for me, as somebody who was originally in, in Eddie Main. Picking up Lucky Chloe, I was like, this this girl was made for me. Like, she's dope. She's got the on the headphones. When she's just when she's just like standing around, she's doing like the b-boy top rocking move. Like, it is she is such a wonderful character to play as, and it feels like a, a fun evolution uh, of Eddie in a way that I really like. But yeah, like to to, um, to your point, right? Talking about Tekken and talking about uh, these games, kind of appealing to different fan bases. It's f- funny enough. I'm like you, but all in the opposite way, where Tekken was. My, and has been my fighting game of choice. I've been more of the 3D fighter person than the 2D fighter person. But also, if I'm, like, ranking the hierarchy of fighting games for me, it is Smash is at the top. But then also, you then get down to Mortal Kombat and then probably Tekken right there. And those can shift any sort of way. And then right there also with Soul Calibur. Um, but mm. there has not really been a... This, the modern, modern Soul Calibur games haven't captured me as much as Soul Calibur 2 back in the day. Um, even though when they come out, I'll still play them and I'll still, I'll still enjoy them. Um, but yeah, I think... These next couple of years, you know, who knows when Tekken 8 comes out? Hopefully it comes out next year or the year after. I think these next couple of games between Street Fighter 6, uh, Tekken 8, and then even Project L, I think those are going to create a big wave of fighting game, of uh, people who weren't originally into fighting games or are casually into fighting games, those people coming in. Because I imagine I, I imagine you're going to play Street Fighter 6. It sounds like you're going to oh, play yeah. Tekken 8. I think when I'm Project L comes out, when Project L comes out, I think it's going to create this swell of interest because it's Riot, and Riot, Riot right now are known as, like, the live service multiplayer gods in the game right now. And so I think that's going to create a lot of conversation Um, and it's going to be free to play. And so with that, there's not really much to lose. I think these three games are going to be huge as far as like what the next couple of years of fighting games look like, let alone, we don't know what NetherRealm is doing. A new Mortal Kombat dropping is going to have the same impact as well. So fighting games are in a really great place right now. Absolutely, man. Uh, Yeah. Can you imagine if all three came out next year? Oh, between you talking about like Project L, Street Fighter, no Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat oh. Street Fighter, Tekken. I mean, there's Come a on. high, there's a high probability. There's a chance. There is a chance. Yeah, I think I might believe in Mortal Kombat coming out more than Tekken. Tekken Eight, for some reason, for me, feels more 2024. And maybe that's just because they said stay tuned and as, as opposed to the concrete date. Um, but Mortal Kombat feels like it's overdue. I feel like we should have gotten a new Mortal Kombat by now, or at yeah. least a new Nether Realm project by now. 
any moment. Uh, part B of this story, Harada praises Sakurai as probably the only one who could properly make Smash Brothers. This comes from Cat Bailey, the homie at IGN. Uh, Tekken's Harada is no stranger to Super Smash Brothers creator Masahiro Sakurai. After all, Sakurai was a regular site at Bandai Namco, which played a large role in developing Smash Ultimate and Smash Wii U. Towards the end of Smash Bros. development, Harada and Sakurai worked together on adding... Uh, Kazuya as a Smash Brothers DLC character. Asked whether he gained any insight from the experience for Tekken 8, Harada used the opportunity to praise Sakurai, calling it quite a shock. Quote, we knew quite well what to expect and his personality. Uh, and even that said, we were also surprised when it came time to make Kazuya for Smash Brothers because we thought since we're the experts at Tekken, maybe he was going to ask about the points he needed to definitely get right to make it feel like Tekken. But actually, that wasn't the case. He already had his own thoughts about what makes Tekken Tekken. So it was surprising, but also refreshing to see that he came in and didn't ask questions, but said, I've played a lot of Tekken and studied it. And this is what I feel is important for the game right off the bat. So that was quite a shock. I mean, in a positive way. Harada says that the experience left him feeling as if Sakurai was the only one qualified to make Smash Brothers, a sentiment that Sakurai himself has shared at points, despite concerns for his health amid a grueling schedule. Quote, it made us think that he has all these characters from other different franchises and games in Smash Brothers, so to know so much to a deep extent about all these different IPs, to be able to do that, he's probably the only one that could probably make that game. Hell yeah. Now, Tim, before we go on this conversation, I need to look to Barrett and ask, what do do we need to do anything for like the no, internet bump that just happened? No, it wasn't even internet. YouTube just sometimes is just like, oh, I'm not going to connect to OBS anymore. And so I just, I, I stopped streaming from OBS, started streaming, and it, we're back up. So it's fine. Okay. Did we lose any of that? Do we need to recap any parts no. of the story? I don't know. That's up to the chat to tell me of like what was lost there. Uh, so we might need to talk about the story a little bit. Because like again. if the end, if the end YouTube product slash podcast, podcast product misses out on the middle of the news story basically the whole thing is harada being like we came to sakurai with to, uh, to bring kazuya into smash and sakurai and we were like okay cool we'll tell sakurai all about tekken and what makes tekken tekken and once they once they came to sakurai sakurai was basically like hey i've studied tekken i've been playing tekken this is what i think makes tekken tekken and he basically nailed it and they're like fuck this guy knows his shit which yeah. is the dopest cool which, which is it the is. coolest story ever sakurai it, is dope as fuck man he's dope as fuck and we knew it right we've known it now for a very long time but every single time he did the mr sakurai presents like i wanted to be there even ones i missed that like i didn't wake up at 5 a.m to watch i would go back and later watch them of him breaking down down the characters even when they were characters i didn't care that much about because he has just such a vast knowledge interest and passion in the history of video games and what makes them unique and special and like him talking about the feel of tech and it's like how often do we talk about the feel of games and it's funny because we talk about we me and you specifically often talk about it about the feel of smash brothers oh yeah like, i love that sakurai has created this game in this world where it has its own feel, and then he also wants to respect the feel of the, the characters that he's bringing into it. So anyway, super great. Love that yeah. stuff. Um, some it more like It, it, it shows in the it. final product. Like, when you play as Kazuya in Smash, he feels like Kazuya, right? When you play as um, Ryu in Smash, he feels like Ryu. When you play as Mario in Smash, like, when you're jumping and you hear the point, like, there's so much attention to detail in Smash that it it's ridiculous. And I believe, honestly, I believe Parada, and I believe, because I think Sakurai might have mentioned this before, that, like, you know, I don't know if there's anybody besides me that can make this game. And Harada kind of echoing that and being like, yeah, I don't know. Like, Smash is Smash because of Sakurai. At this point, like, I believe it. And I, I, I'm I, so curious slash scared of when of where this franchise goes when Sakurai finally decides that, hey, I'm packing up here. Like, my time here is done. Yeah. 
A uh, couple more details coming from Nibel on Twitter about Tekken 7. Uh, Tekken 7 is close to 10 million sold units. Uh, open-minded when it comes to guest characters, uh, Harada is. Uh, he keeps an eye on Project L due to its possible impact on fighting games, and he's a huge PC gamer and builds his own. So there you go. Cool. Yeah, shout out to IGN, <laughs> Cat Bailey. Cat Bailey has a huge interview that she did with Harada that she published over there. Um, it's so huge that I didn't even have time to read it before this KFGD. I had to, like, find the write-ups and find, like, the, the, the summations. But um, all of this is coming from her interview with Harada, and there's a lot of fascinating stuff there. And so, yeah, Tekken 7, uh, close to selling 10 million units. That's huge. That's pretty good. Um, hoping they're able to push that even further with Tekken 8 because I think Tekken should be on that level of, like, <laughs> being talked about with the Street Fighters and with the Mortal Kombat. And I think Tekken is probably, if I had a guess, right, like probably like one tier under that. But it's such a fun, good fighting game, quality fighting game. And I think with um, Tekken having such a big presence at Evo with like things like Tekken Bloodline, the anime series, and with, you know, Tekken just getting more quality iterations under, under its belt, I would think that maybe it can itch its, its, its way closer to those top dogs. Um, Harada saying that he's keeping an eye on Project L, I think is fascinating just because... Project L, again, being that Riot game, that Riot fighting game, I, I think the big thing that people are going to look towards with that one is it being free to play and what it brings as far as live service. You know, that's a thing that fighting games haven't been doing but have tried before. Uh, I used to play this game, Tekken Revolution, Tim, on PS3, towards the end of the PS3 era, and it was a free-to-play Tekken game where if you wanted to keep playing, you would either have to pay and buy tokens to keep playing or you would have to win matches. And that is actually how I got good at Tekken is I got I started Love playing that. Tekken Revolution and I was like, cool, if I want to keep playing, I have to win because I don't have the disposable income. Um, and I kind of like the idea of fighting games flirt, flirting with being free to play because we're seeing the free to play market become more and more of a viable thing. And free to play, I don't think is now uh, uh, I don't think free to play is still associated with bad quality because at one point I would say it was. But now that we've gotten a lot of battle royales now that we've gotten fortnite now that we have things like even multiverses i think you're seeing different genres uh try out the space and end up do navigating it in a way that is actually pretty decent actually and actually is pretty good so project l being one from riot i would imagine that the live service features for that are hopefully going to be really quality and i think that's going to then teach a lot of other developers a lot of other fighting game developers how they can maybe navigate the free-to-play space if that's something they, they want to do um but yeah all this stuff from tekken 7 and, and Hira or tekken 8 and harada i think is very fascinating stuff sounds like it sounds like really cool stuff and again i'm very excited for where fighting games are at yeah for sure project l is just the code name the final versions can be yes. called project w <laughs> ah, good job, that was for you that was for you bless you. that was for you, you. Uh, a quick story it. for you as well um one of the first video game events that i ever went to me and alfredo have a picture of us with harada and yoshinori ono because they were promoting uh street fighter cross tekken and tekken cross street fighter oh my god <laughs> and we god. have a picture of the two of them like holding their hands up and meet Alfredo in the middle of them. And it's just like, this is a weird moment in time that I, I need to find that picture. Because I love that. <laughs> uh, story number three. Elden Ring named 2022's best game at the Japan Game Awards. This comes from Andy Robinson at VGC. Uh, Elden Ring took the top honors at the Japan Game Awards held on Thursday. The critically acclaimed From Software Action RPG received the grand award during the ceremony, which is run annually by Japan's Computer Entertainment Suppliers Association and partially voted for by the public. Quote, this game, which depicts a dark fantasy world with overwhelming volume and quality, has gained tremendous support from many players. 
um with enthusiastic comments such as everything about this game is perfect it's a god level game <laughs> damn wild statement but also yeah. hey it, elden ring is a fucking masterpiece so i might agree i might agree it might be a god level game wow um <laughs> dark souls creator miyazaki was named the minister of economy trade and industry award winner which is given to an individual or organization that's made a great contribution to the growth of the japanese games industry Elden Ring was also named among the 10 games given an award for excellence. The other winners in the category included Final Fantasy XIV, Endwalker, Ghostwire Tokyo, Horizon Forbidden West, Pokemon Legends Arceus, and Resident Evil Village. Uh, there's a full list of winners, including the Best Sales Award, <laughs> going to Pokemon <laughs> Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. As if the money wasn't enough. <laughs> um, the Global Award for Japanese product goes to Pokemon, Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl. Uh, the Global Award for foreign product goes to Call of Duty Vanguard. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. And uh, Inscription got the Game Designers Award. So, cool. Cool. Pretty cool. Good Pretty on cool. Elden Ring. Uh, it's This is just the beginning, I think, of mm-hmm. Elden Ring. Just getting a bunch of best game, award, <laughs> game awards. Uh it's really cool to see Miyazaki win the, the Minister of Economy, Trade, and Industry Award. Like, that is such a, like, not, like, it's not, not not the kind of award I think of when it comes to a video game award show, but also I think legitimizes, hey, this guy's had an impact on the industry. Like, after Miyazaki, game design is going to be different in terms of how we approach action games. And so I think it's really huge to honor him in, in that way. Um, but also, Tim, my question for you is, like, is this an indicator? Is... Is Elden Ring just going to sweep Game of the Year awards? I mean, yeah, I think it's going to. I I don't even think that's a question, honestly. Like, I feel like this being an indicator, it's like it's a foregone conclusion that Elden Ring is going to win a ton of awards. Is it going to win all of them? Probably not. I mean, we have God of War Ragnarok coming out, but the the reality is God of War Ragnarok is a sequel to a revolutionary game, whereas Elden Ring is a culmination of a genre. That mm. is now reaching its mainstream level of success. So it's like I, I feel like that alone is going to give um, Elden Ring the edge, no matter how good God of War Ragnarok ends up being. Having said that, we're talking about God of War Ragnarok. Like we're talking about such a giant force that, like, yeah, it's it's going to be talked about a lot. But I do think that in previous years we've had like, oh, there's so many games. There's Breath of the Wild, there's Odyssey, and there's Horizon, and then votes kind of got split one way or another. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. I think the outlets that are going to push for Elden Ring are going to push their freaking hearts out for it, and I think that it, Elden Ring takes it. Mm. Do you? Th- what do you think about kind of funniest game of the year? Which one do you think is going to get it? This is a conversation I had Greg with at the top of the week, and I think we are in opposite sides of it. Where I think God of War Ragnarok is going to win our game of the year overall, where Greg thinks Elden Ring is. But I think just in the in the Ratchet and Clank way of that game winning last year's, I think God of War Ragnarok will be in all of our top twos, but Elden Ring will be in only half of our top ones, which is going to push God of War over the edge. Yeah, that's, I mean, maybe, honestly, just sheer numbers of it all. I'm pulling for seafood. I'm God, could you imagine? Too. Like, God of War and Elden Ring splitting, so <laughs> splitting the boat and seafood I mean, that's, winning. That's I what happened be with Last of Us. Final Fantasy VII ended up like, squeaking yeah, out the win, yeah. and I was like, you know what? I don't agree, but I can't be mad. I can't be mad. Hey, Sifu is such a good game, though. Except uh, on Switch, where it looks would, like a trash fire. I would love if Sifu won. Also, I would. I hope that Ragnarok is is deserving. But what, you know, we won't have to we'll wait see. too long to find out. We have some breaking news that we're going to get to. But before we get to that, let's look at a word from our sponsors. 
This episode is brought to you by me undies. We've all heard of gut instinct, but have you ever heard of butt instinct? It's when your butt tells you it wants new undies. Listen to your butt. Luckily, we work with MeUndies, makers of the most buttery, soft, and sustainable undies, bralettes, and socks that exist. You know that I have lived my life, MeUndies, head to toe for the majority of the last couple years. I'm just all in on MeUndies because they are absolutely the most comfortable uh, clothes I've ever put on my body. Available in sizes extra small to 4XL. They have new colors and prints dropping weekly, so there's always something exciting to check out. You can try their free-to-join membership for free shipping on every order and exclusive perks like an item shipped to your door every month, secret sales, and early access to their newest stuff. MeUndies has a great offer for you guys out there. For any first-time purchasers, you get 20% off plus free shipping and returns. To get 20% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash kindoffunny. That's MeUndies.com slash kindoffunny. Shout out to Shopify for sponsoring this episode. Shopify powers our very own kindoffunny.com slash store, our merch store. And we love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere. Shopify unlocks the opportunity of your business to more people every day, every 28 seconds, an entrepreneur like you makes the first sale on Shopify. Shopify powers millions of businesses from first sale to full scale. You can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps. It's more than a store, Shopify grows with you. You can go to shopify.com slash kfgames, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash kfgames right now. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash kfgames, all lowercase. Yo, we're here with some breaking news coming in hot from Nibel over on his Twitter. Uh, confirmed on Sony's official PlayStation podcast, PSVR games are not compatible with PSVR 2. Oh, what no. have I been telling you all for the You're last right, two boss. years? I've been saying this over and over and over and over again because it's not possible. It's not possible. How would that even work? With PSVR, PSVR 1 worked off the camera and the move controllers. This one is outside, inside-out tracking. It's not going to work to be backwards compatible. Oh. Uh, but it is what it is. Like is. I'm not even mad about this because I think what's going to happen is that the, the PSVR games that are like worth that are worth playing, like the Beat Sabers of the world, it's a Wii the U situation. effects of the world, I think those will get ported. Because I those now that PSVR 2 works the same way as like um, some of the other VR helmets out there, like the Oculus helmets out there, I think that's going to do a lot in terms of, oh, we can just straight up just crack and drop this. I know porting is not dragging and dropping, but you get what I mean, just on a, in a broad sense. Um, so I'm not bummed out about this, but I did warn you all about this. And so I expect apologies in chat from all of you. I I am shocked about this. I understand what you're saying, but that's a figure it out Sony situation. Like th- we're not talking about, oh man, the PS4 and 5 don't have backwards compatibility with whatever like cell processors. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a very niche product to begin with that you already yeah. had as a niche product. You need to give this thing as much chance to success as possible. This is not good. This is not good. I think you're right. I think that the majority of the games that matter will get updates. I would be um pretty sure that there's high likelihood that these things are going to be free updates from that's my thing is a lot of them man if only there was a way to like intelligently deliver 
these games to the audience, right? Like, if you could, I don't know, in a smart way, just give these games to people who already bought these games on the previous platform and just make it so that it works easy. Where, yes. oh, man, I want to play Beat Saber on the latest platform. Let me just click Beat Saber because I had it on the last one. And, oh, that's smart. It just, it just It's delivered. Bless, are you, it's are delivered you, to are me you talking in about a smart way. On a, about a concept like, like a, a smart del- delivery system? Oh, my, dude. Yeah, I think smart delivery would be a great way to put it. Whoa. If I could get a smart delivery on PlayStation where I can play these games that I already own on the latest hardware, easy. Oh, that'd be pretty smart. That'd be really consumer friendly. And I think would get a lot of people into VR. Yeah, yeah, but here we are. I, oh man, PSVR two, it's an uphill uphill battle. But they also they know the audience they're going for. Maybe they're like, yo, we got them on lock. Oh yeah, but still, I mean, I feel like regardless of the fact that probably most of the heavy hitters, the Beat Sabers, and the things that are a little bit more like platform agnostic to begin with, that are, are more representative of VR and less of PSVR. I think those are easier sells, right? Where it's just like cool. I mean, essentially the third party titles. But then you look at the uh, the PSVR titles. It's like if this thing, if PSVR two launched and it had just the library of like the, even just the experiences, like the Batman experience, like all the stuff that we all had fun with for a weekend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that one weekend could be stretched out longer because we're talking about a couple of years worth of PSVR games, like Iron Man VR and um, Blood and Truth and all that stuff. And so it's like I don't know. Yeah, I not good. I. I think the way they can kind of iron this one, if there was some kind of like, no, but we got free updates for you. I think that'll be huge. I hope they have it. I'm not judging by the PS4 to PS5 transition. I'm not super confident that they'll, that they'll have that, but I'll, I, I can hope. Um, I think having a dope ass roster of games toward the launch and in, in the launch year could help out a lot too. Cause if, if I'm coming in and I'm not having to think about the blood and truths of the world and the Iron Man VRs of the world and the Saints and Sinners and the Trover Saves the Universe and the Beat Sabers and the Tetris effects. And I am thinking about Horizon Call of the Mountain and Saints and Sinners 2 and like whatever the next like phase of VR games are that are new and exciting. If they can deliver on those, then maybe maybe they can kind of sweep the previous stuff under the rug and go, hey, but you have all this new shit to care about. Um we just don't have, I don't think we, we have enough of a slate yet to really, you know, be excited for it in that way. I, I think they got to build that up. Um, and hopefully they do by the time we, we get to it. We'll see. We'll see. Story number four. Vincent Pella thinks EA strayed too far from what Battlefield is with 2042. This comes from Jordan Midler at VGC. Electronic Arts Vince Zampella has given his assessment on the disappointing launch and critical reception of Battlefield 2042. In an interview with Barron's, the Respawn and Infinity Ward co-founder, who is now the overseer of the entire franchise, suggested that 2042 moved too far away from the classic Battlefield experience. Quote, I think they just strayed a little too far from what Battlefield is. They tried to do a couple of things that were maybe ambitious, grow the player count, etc. I don't think they spent enough time iterating on what makes that fun. It's not inherently a bad idea. The way they were set up and the way they ex- executed just didn't allow them to find the best thing possible. I like that they're being open about it, right? Like, hey, we didn't nail this, which I we all we all kind of already know. But the fact that they're saying it internally, or at least Vince is saying it, I think uh, goes a long way in terms of, all right, cool. Now let's make it better, right? Like, what does the next Battlefield need to do in order to actually be a great release? Because um, I'm like, I... I, when it came to the first-person shooter fall of, hey, it's Battlefield, it's Halo, and it's Call of Duty, leading up to it, 
I think it was kind of easy to guess that Battlefield would be the one that would fall be- fall between the cracks. And that was even with marketing that I-, I say was like pretty decent, right? Like I looked at those Battlefield trailers and I was like, oh, this this stuff looks cool. Like the Battlefield portal looks the chaos. The chaos looks cool. All the like the tornadoes and like you know all, all the shit going on in the in the levels. All that stuff seemed like uh, good steps. But I think Battlefield is a game that was releasing at a time uh, where first-person shooters have changed, and it was doing a lot of things the same. And so with Call of Duty, of course, one, Call of Duty is Call of Duty, right? So a, pre- a premium Call of Duty game is going to sell regardless. But also the Call of Duty Warzone for the people that want to hop into it free-to-play. For Halo, Halo released you know, on Xbox Game Pass, but also free-to-play, right? Overwatch is shifting into free-to-play. Uh, first-person shooters right now are going through a shift, and I think to be a premium, um, a, a premium PvP shooter right now, you either have to bring in something that's super unique and super like you have to be a Rainbow Six Siege, or you just have to shift your I think your like uh, your your release right in terms of being free to play or finding ways to get people in right. Is it going to be Game Pass? Is it going to be PS Plus? Is it going to be something else to like get get in an audience? Yeah, it's. I think there's an extra element too when it comes to these shooters where there was such a a fight between call of duty and battlefield in the early years and then call of duty just ran so much further and faster uh eventually that it was now competing not so much with just battlefield but even just with entire genres and new genres that were forming like battle royales where warzone drops kind of as a competitor to fortnite but call of duty still has its multiplayer suite out there that people are in swarms and swarms uh playing right looking at um the triple A-ness of it all and the budget of having to just make these games bigger and bigger and bigger. And you get to seeing the battlefield trailer with the tornadoes and shit. And it's just like, this is untenable at a certain point, like without that monetization strategy of a thing like Warzone to kind of back up, putting those resources into a crazy game like that. It's like, I don't know, man, call of duty kind of lucked itself into being so big, not that it can't fail, but that it's going to be easy for it to just kind of keep succeeding doing what it does. Whereas Battlefield, I feel, never quite had the wins it needed in multiple verticals at the end of the day between traditional multiplayer suites and the Battle Royale side. Tim, did you catch that you you said triple anus? Hell yeah, I did. Hell yeah, I did. <laughs> I was really trying to keep it together. I was trying to keep it together so hard. But I was Hell like, yeah. I was like, that is perfect. That's a perfect statement. That's, That's awesome. So funny. That's really awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man, indeed. <laughs> uh, story number five. How do you say this game? Suikoden? Is that how you Suikoden. say it? Yep. Okay. 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 <laughs> Uh, Triple anus. <laughs> 1 and 2 HD remasters have been announced. This comes from Saul Romano at Gamatsu. Uh, Konami has announced Weekend in 1 and 2 HD remaster, Gate Rune and Dunan Unification Wars for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, launching in 2023. The remasters will include graphical improvements uh, from the press release, pixel sprites and environment art enhanced with new screen effects, including lighting clouds and shadow animations, flickering flames, smoldering smoke, the movement of leaves, and insects. They all add up to a lively in-game atmosphere. How fun. Uh, there will also be new character design, sound improvements, and game system improvements, including dialogue log. That's what it says. <laughs> dialogue log, <laughs> auto battle, double speed battles, etc. Triple anus. Cool, man. Jared Petty's Yeah, Jared Petty's doing a dance. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. so happy. Uh, good for speaking to fans. 
Yep. I was the last night when this news uh, popped. I saw a lot of people just excited, like very happy, and it was one of those things where I was. I've never. I've not played Suikoden. I've not paid attention to Suikoden. I've heard Jared Petty talk uh, talk about Suikoden, and it sounds like a really cool game. But man, oh man, were the JRPG fans happy about this one? And I'm happy for you. Like, yep. go get them. This is uh, cool. it's one of those one of those franchises that I feel uh, if you know, you know type stuff. Like this was definitely I remember the hundredth issue of Electronic Gaming Monthly that had the hot, hun, top hundred games of all time, and one of these games was on it. And I was like, huh, one day I'll play that. Never did. I never did. But well, you know, no, I won't. I won't. <laughs> but I'm happy that other people are going to replay it for the first uh, for the first time in probably a long time, and some people playing it. For the first time, are you Isn't gonna it play cool it, plus? No, I'm not gonna play it. But it's really cool that games can come back in this way, right? No, Where it is. There was the um, Ayudin Chronicles game that was put on Kickstarter that was a Suikoden um successor, and I believe that is still being worked on. But the fact that Suikoden fans can now get these HD remasters of these games that they love from back in the day, and also get a successor to it, probably coming out close-ish to each other, maybe a year after the the, uh, the other, if not around the same time, um. That's dope, and that can only make me believe that one day I'm going to get a <clears throat> a um, Jet Force Gemini remake, but then also maybe a Jet Force Gemini successor. We don't talk about Tamarin. That came out a couple years ago because mm. that game was bad. It was really bad. But, hey, like dreams can come true is my takeaway from this story. And so good oh, for you yeah. Guys. They 1,000% can. What is so. your What is your video game dream? Right I mean, now, bless it. I, honestly, back. I've hit a point where like I had everything I asked for happened. Like the fact that they actually from the ground up remade Crash 1 through 3 and then also made a Crash 4, and then also gave me Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 Remake, and all those things were as good as they were. Mm. I'm going to ask for more. I'm a selfish little boy. Like, what's you know? for you to even ask for at this but, point? I mean, you have well, gotten this, everything. Uh, Tony Hawk 3 and 4, which they, you know, RIP yeah. yeah. to the dream. But, like, real talk, like, the at this point, the type of dream shit I'm looking for in terms of remakes is Mario 64. Oh. And that's my dream. It's like, I feel like God, I that's that. inevitable at some point. You think so? At your some your point. dreams weren't dashed with the Super Mario 3D All-Stars collection? Because mine were. The fact that no. they put it out and they barely touched that game. <laughs> that that yeah. hurt my soul. Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. Story number six, Genshin Impact is becoming an anime. This comes from Ryan Dinsdale at IGN. Genshin Impact is officially becoming an anime as developer. Hoyoverse has announced a new collaboration with animation studio Ufotable. Announced during the game's version 3.1 special program, a three-minute concept trailer showed off the art style and feel of what the anime will eventually be. Given that this is just a concept trailer, it will likely be some time before the final episodes are released, and Hoyovers have branded this as a long-term project. The video does give us a brief teaser, however. Let's step into this vast magical world of adventure together. Its description reads, The long-term collaboration project between Genshin Impact and Ufotable has begun. UFO table. I was going to say, is it UFO or is it UFO it's U- UFO is all capped uh, in their in their logo. Mm. So is it triple mm. anus mm. or is it triple anus? Mm. <laughs> mm. It's all lowercase how I'm looking at it. So I was like, huh. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm yeah. just going to run through this. Let's put that on IGN. Ufotable. Ufotable. This, this is cool for the people that want this. I'm somebody who, I, I like anime and I like Engine Impact. I honestly couldn't care less about this. But like watching the trailer right here. It looks cool. Like the the style of it looks like it's quality. Bear, uh, you mentioned earlier that like you you have the deets on UFO table. Yeah, uh, chat's also corrected me. I don't know, man. They UFO they spell it UFO table. table, UFO table. Oh, so U- people, uh, did Tim get it right the first time? 
No. Triple anus. Uh, they're the, the they're the um, studio behind the Demon Slayer anime adaptation of the the manga. Uh, they do great work uh, animation style wise, and uh, they're also like not uh, disfamiliar with video games. They worked on uh, cutscenes and opening animations for the God Eater series. Uh, they also oh, did the opening animation and cutscenes for Tales of Arise that came out last year uh, and Code Vein. Um, and so they're they're a really great studio, and I, I think they deliver some top notch animation. So for those Genshin Impact fans, like y- y'all might be getting some some heat with this one. I mean that cha- that changes my opinion a little bit because I didn't realize that they did Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer, one of the hottest looking animes I've ever seen visually. Um, that that's a good looking anime right there. And so like if they're working on this just for the spectacle spectacle of it, like I'm still I'm again I'm somebody who doesn't care about the Genshin story. I know y'all are out there. But I played 40 hours of it, and I was like, I, I just don't, I just can't vibe with this world in this story as much as I do the gameplay and the exploration. Um, didn't have an impact on you. It didn't have an <laughs> impact on me. Uh, but looking at the again, looking at the visuals, I'm like, dude, this it looks cool. And if it, again, if it's being done by uh, Ufo Table and they're breaking that Demon Slayer level of hey, let's really make this thing pop visually, I can see myself putting this on in the background and peeking over and going, oh damn, what a good looking show, and then going back to doing and, my work and, or whatever and, I'm doing. Watching it while you do your dailies. And while I'm doing my, maybe this is the thing that gets me back, gets me out of retirement. Because Tim, I don't know if I told you this. Um, a few months ago, I announced that I have retired from Genshin Impact. Mm. I um, hung up my my jersey like Michael Jordan when he started golfing, um, and I decided that I'm not playing Genshin Impact anymore because it was just it just turned into a cycle of I'm doing the same things just to level up, just so I can work my way towards what I don't even care about the things long term anymore. Like I just wanted to unlock Aloy, and I did that, and then I just kept playing because like it's it's addicting. But also, I just wasn't getting the satisfaction out of it, and so I had to cut, I had to cut loose. <laughs> it's really loose. weird how games can work that way, especially when they have that type of um, system in place, where there is the always incentives, always numbers going up, like the mobile gamification of things. Because you're playing it, and you're like, "This is so fun! I love yeah. this! I want to get this thing, and I want to get that thing, and I can't wait! I'm gonna keep grinding! I'm gonna keep doing this! I'm having such a good time! I can't believe that." People wouldn't want to do this. This is great. And then you hit a point eventually. You're like, I'm doing all the things. Why? Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like those two moments happen every single time I played a game like that. But I can't ever identify the moment it changed. Yeah, it's just it's all of a sudden. It's just slow happens where you're like, I'm playing this. And it makes you look back and you're like, did I ever enjoy this as much as I thought? And it's a weird thing that I found unique only to this type of game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe part of it has to do with just the wealth of content and the amount of things to do, and it being Genshin being this game that it, it is that you know get the numbers up kind of game, right? And it is, hey, unlock the characters, hey, spend on the roles, hey, unlock new new weapons, and then level up each character individually. There is so much uh, shit to do in Genshin, and a lot of the shit is cool shit. Like a lot of it is, hey, you can go out and quote unquote date the characters. They don't say date, but you're going on dates. You can basically date the characters. You have side stories for each of the characters. Uh, you can start a farm. You can do a roguelite mode. You can explore the dungeons. You can Breath of the Wild style, just go whatever direction in the open world and see where the game takes you. And there's there's so much there. But yeah, I reached a point where I, I booted up one day, started doing my dailies. And I was like, why am I doing my dailies? Why do I care about this? Why am I? Do- I'm not having. I'm not having fun with this anymore. And maybe it's just I grew out grew out of it, kind of thing. I don't know exactly what it is. All I know is one day I just stopped, and I just didn't have the the love for it anymore. I have appreciation for it because I think Genshin is a beautiful looking game. I think the world's really impressive. I think the production of it 
is really really impressive um but yeah dude i just had that like it just my interest level just dipped off a cliff out of nowhere i am looking forward to their, their new um game though the zenless zone zero that looks really cool so i'll go through that process uh, all over again with that one well bless i'm so sorry to say that zenless zone zero it's just so far away. It's so far away. <laughs> so far away. <laughs> if I wanted to know what was coming to Bob and Grop Zops today, where would I look? You would look toward the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show hosts each and every weekday. Out today, we got various day life on PS4. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 open beta weekend one. PS4, PS5. Incision Early Access on PC. Accident on Switch. Amazing Chicken Adventures on Xbox. Devoured by Darkness on Switch and Xbox. Knights and Guns <laughs> on Xbox. Last Beat Enhanced on PS4 and 5. The Dark Prophecy on everything. Unichrome, a one-bit unicorn adventure on Xbox. And Wolong <coughs> Fallen Dynasty has a demo up now that I think... Snowbike Mike is going to uh, Twitch stream later today. Oh, so really? I have it downloaded. I actually can't wait for that. Um, that was the one that uh, was shown off at Gamescom, right? That all of us were like, yo, this looks dope as fuck. Um, and I saw a few people being like, yo, this looks like, uh, this plays like Neo 3 if you're somebody who is in, into the Neo franchise. Like, it has some of that energy to it. So I can't wait to actually pick it up and Three-o, play 3-0, as some, some would say. 3-0, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what is this one, Barrett? This is Knights and Guns. It, just, it mm. was just such a weird title that I had to look it up. Looks kind of cool. This looks, yeah, this looks kind of cool. Some new dates for you. Genshin Impact V3.1 is arriving September 28th with a new desert area. Uh, I got to get back. Got to get back. Hollow Knight Silk Song is coming to PS5 and PS4, they announced today. So, yeah. hell yeah, man. More people get the night. Uh, will they get the guns? Deals of the day for you. Sackboy, a big adventure. The Toem costume DLC is free on the US PSN. And Ark Survival Evolved and Gloomhaven will be free next week on the Epic Game Store. Remember, even if you're getting free games on Epic Game Store, use our code. Kind of funny. It helps us. We get money for free. You get games. It's great. I don't really know how that works, but it does. It does. Uh, time for some reader mail. Jordan now, this is a dangerous Deed. one, Tim. This one that you're about. I don't know if you pre-screened this one. This is the one that was like, if we had uh, got a lot of time and we want to fuck around, we can do this one. But also, this is the one that's going to bring up uh, some, <laughs> some bad feelings from yesterday's KFGD. Just as a forewarning, I'm gonna leave it up to you if you want to. I'm gonna read it. Read I'm it. gonna read it. He's gonna, I'm read, gonna read, it. read it. Hey, Tim and Bless, listened to KFGD late yesterday, so I didn't get to hear the I am Sam stuff till long after recording. But I saw you both were hosting today, and I'm a chaotic bitch. I want to point out that Elle Fanning's sister, Dakota Fanning, played the lead role of Sally in the live action Cat in the Hat movie from 2003. The Cat in the Hat was written by Dr. Seuss. What else did Dr. Seuss write? Green Eggs and Ham. What is one of the lines from that book? Sam, I, am. Boom. L. Fanning, Death Stranding 2. Maybe with a Dr. Seuss motif. I think Jordan's on to something, bless. That's why I keep trying to tell y'all. All right. Y'all think... motherfuckers doubted me. Y'all yeah. motherfuckers doubted me. And also, I didn't know where you were going with the Lucy thing yesterday, bless. And if you want to explain that, like re explain that. The way you tweeted about it, I was like, oh, actually, that does make sense a lot. That does make sense. Yeah. So, like, it was one It was one where, okay, so Lucy, right? So to recap, Elle Fanning in I Am Sam played the baby version of a character named Lucy, who is Sam's daughter in that movie. Now, for those who have finished Death Stranding, it is a Death Stranding spoiler, which is why, I like, 
kind of kept it in the pocket. But at the end of that stranding, Sam <laughs> Porter Bridges in that game is left as the single father of a child that he named Wu. Wu uh, was named after Louise, who was the baby that he had with his wife, Lucy. There is a Lucy in that game that is tied to their to their uh, child, Lou. And so, like, that that is the connection I was making. But also, I get it. People think it's a stretch. But also, it's ARG. Everything's going to be a stretch in this thing. But, but bless. What up? Dr. Seuss. Sam, I am. The Grinch. No, Tim. Oh, stop it. God. No, Tim. Stop it. It all comes full circle. Stop it. Think about it. Kojima's a fucking genius, all right? Think about it. Stop downing uh, the man. He's a fucking genius. So, <laughs> that's been your kind of funny games daily for today. Uh, whatever the fuck today is. Friday, September 16th, 2022. Sometimes things just work out, bless. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> With chaos energy, Holy baby. Shit. God, I love it so much. Um, Let's see. What do we have going on? There's a lot of things here that I... I, I expected things here that aren't here. Bless. <laughs> I thought you were slacking, Greg. I thought you were slacking. Oh, Greg. sorry. Yeah. Uh, you talking about okay? Next week's host for Kind yes. of Funny Games Daily yes. is a motley crew of video game journalists uh, from Fanbyte. Of course, Fanbyte had a lot of layoffs. We want to show them a lot of love, and so all next week you're going to get a lot of hosts uh, that are from uh, formerly of Fanbyte.com hosts like. Uh, when I open up the Daniel Riendo, the uh, again formerly a fan by uh, Nikki Grayson, uh, Jennifer Locke, uh, the homie Funke, and Gar- uh, Carly Veloci. I believe those are the, those are the, what we have on the schedule right now. Tentative, tentative. Carly Jacobs, Carly, Carly Veloci, formerly of Windows Central. Not fan. Gotcha, right? gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, good yeah. call out to make. So there we go. And then uh, Jennifer Locke, formerly of Android Central. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Greg's putting this together. Greg's not on this show. Me and Bless are here. But next week, it's going to be a lot of people, a lot of really cool people. So, come support youtube.com slash kind of funny games, 10 a.m. every single day live. Show more love than normal. Okay. Let's give them a, a nice, a nice show to be able to do and be able to use uh, going forward, trying to get a job somewhere else, uh, hopefully better than where they were before. Uh, but, Bless. It's been really fun hanging out with you. After this is over, Mike's playing the Call of Duty open beta on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. You can go watch that live uh, if you want to watch that later. YouTube.com slash kind of funny plays. We're about to do. Before you move on and wrap up, I have to do my due diligence and remind you about kind of funny.com slash you're wrong. You do. You do. Thank you very much for that. Kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong, where you can correct us as we get things wrong. Uh, Jay Fulcrum says the Modern Warfare 2 beta is locked behind pre-order until Sunday. Uh, just a little more info there. Um, we got uh, Hales is saying the Genshin Cross uh, UFO table announcement doesn't specify an anime series, but it's just a long-term collaboration. What exactly the project is is still unknown, so could be something different. I mean, the IGN article starts off saying Genshin Impact is officially becoming an anime as developer Holyoverse has announced a new collaboration with the animation studio UFO, UFO table. And hmm. so, unless IGN got that factually wrong, I trust IGN, but who knows? You're wrong and you're wrong. I don't know. But anyways, that's it. Otherwise, we're right, everybody. We're just Killed right. It. Um, I think that's it. We're doing the post show. 
Patreon.com slash kind of funny games supporters. You can check now, it out. Tim, have you peeped the, po- the post show? I have not. I'm going to tell you right now. It's the shit list. Eight it's famous gaming list. characters that share the same name. So oh, this, shit. This isn't going to be a like a ranked <laughs> list situation. This is us going to be trying to figure out the eight iconic video game characters that share the same name. Can me and Tim even figure out three of these? <laughs> We're going to figure out in the post show. Oh, my God. I don't know. This is going to be really, really damn I mean, hard. I can tell you one right now. It's going to be Raiden and Raiden. That's, uh, that's all I got. One. That's all, that's all I, I got, got, too. We'll see if we can figure out more later. Okay. Okay. Well, everybody, I love you. Goodbye.